Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. And welcome back into the Bama on three show. This is your host, Clint Lamb, sitting here once again with Jimmy Stein. Jimmy, we are less than 24 hours away from the early signing period a lot going on we got a mailbag going on today i'm going to be talking about recruiting going to be talking about some of the current guys on the on the current team a lot of questions the 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 listeners did a fantastic job but then we got nine total questions we're going to try to get to all of them but we're also not going to make this an hour and a half long podcast so if we can get them quickly we'll get through all of them if not we're going to be doing another one tomorrow really diving into the signing class um, I think we're going to do it tomorrow afternoon after we know where a lot of these players end up and we'll answer any remaining questions that we don't get to today, but I mean, we're ready to rock. Jimmy, are, are you ready to go? Oh yeah, I'm ready. Let's do this, man. I, I'm excited. Uh, Tucker still on Twitter asked what's up with all the quarterbacks in the portal. Feel like this is unlike anything we've seen in college football. Secondly, any wide receivers in the portal, you guys expect Bama to land slash at least go hard after right well well first of all yeah it's unlike anything we've seen in college football history for a couple of reasons it, it literally is new it's a brand new rule the, the, the transfer portal isn't brand new it's been around three or four years but what is new is immediate eligibility for everyone that is brand new this is the first cycle ever in college football history where anyone can leave and, and be automatically eligible somewhere else. So 
we, we all should have seen this coming, that the portal, which was already filled in previous years with guys that had to sit out, now that you don't have to sit out, the portal is bursting at the seams. We should have seen this coming. Uh, we, we did. Um, and and I, I'm not surprised. Um, really, at every position, quarterbacks are always the most high-profile guys. Uh, quarterbacks are going to get the most attention. You know, unlike other positions, only one quarterback can play, right? I mean, usually every team plays a couple of running backs, several receivers, several DBs, several defensive linemen, but only one quarterback starts and plays. So uh, that makes it a unique position. So uh, these, there's only going to be more. I think there'll be more before the spring semester starts. And then there'll be a whole nother wave of them, Clint, when the spring semester is over and everyone's gone through spring practice and some kids don't like their position on the depth chart then. So uh, this is the new normal. This isn't a one year, wow, look at this. This is an anomaly. No, this is the new normal. And uh, if you don't like it, you just better get used to it. Um, as for the wide receivers, I, I think what Alabama is likely to do is, is get through signing day, uh, both early and potentially the late period, and then, then figure out what's going to go on attrition-wise uh, before they definitively decide, hey, we need a receiver out of the portal. But in terms of guys in the portal Alabama could be interested in, uh, I say Theo Weiss uh, from Oklahoma, who's in the portal. Uh, was a big-time five-star that Alabama recruited out of high school, out of Texas. Uh, he's a name. Uh, he, he's somebody I'm sure Alabama will take a look at, but it's just too early to uh, definitively project, hey, this kid's likely to come out of the portal and, and, and sign with Alabama. Just too early for that. Yeah, and I like where your head's at as far as how they're going to go about things. I think the one position where you might see what happens – by, you know, I would probably say Friday with Damani Jackson. By that point, you'll know where a lot of these cornerbacks are ending up. Uh, I could see if they're going to go after Eli Ricks, which I'm not saying they're going to. I don't really see why they wouldn't. Um, he's a very talented player, has performed at a high level on, on the or in the SEC. He would be a guy that you find out what happens if you only get Earl Little Jr. after you've got all these other targets and you still got Fagans. But if maybe you don't add as many bodies and talented bodies, not just guys, you know, to, to fill a spot, but guys that you expect to be able to come in and contribute, I could see Eli Rick starting, you know, Monday uh, being a guy that Alabama starts to target if they feel like, you know, A, they can land him, which I, I believe that they could if they went after him, and B, how do they think he fits? You know, schematically, I think he would fit extremely well, but from a personality standpoint, you know, we just, we don't know if there's anything there. There's nothing to report. But he's a from a, a talent standpoint, definitely a guy that I would try to go after wide receiver. I think that's something you wait on because I don't think it's 100% of a guarantee that, that you know, John Mechie's going to leave, even though I do think it's very possible and, and I would even say likely at this point. You know, I also think Jamison Williams is leaving. That's the one that a lot of people are assuming right. at this point. But if they end up losing both of them, still have had a lot of talent being brought in and they've got a very talented recruiting class with this one, uh, with the 2022 class. So I don't necessarily think that they would go after a guy who they expected to come in and contribute, but it depends on what's happening with, you know, Ja'Cory Brooks, what's happening, you know, Slade Bolton's probably going to be back. How is Jojo Earl progressing, you know, with Jai Hall, where's he at? Uh, there's a lot to look at as far as the guys that they already have on the roster, but you know, the quarterbacks in the portal, it, it, you, you nailed it. It's one starting spot guys can now you know if they're unhappy the thing about it before is it's like once you signed on that dotted line in a lot of ways colleges knew they had you 
You know, they, I'm not saying that they had to treat you like they could treat you terribly, but you know, they didn't have to want and dine you like they did before, before, you know, transferring became a lot more common. And now you can, without having to sit out for a year. Now it's like, not only are you recruiting all these guys going out on the road to talk to their families and keep them happy or excuse me, uh, to, to convince them <clears throat> to come to Alabama or LSU or Florida or wherever else, you're also going to having to recruit the guys that are already on your roster. And, and make sure that they're happy make sure they're in the right headspace because, you know, there might be a guy that you didn't, you don't know is unhappy. And all of a sudden he's just like, coach, I'm, I'm entering the transfer portal. And now you're like, wow. Um, and you haven't really been, maybe been giving him a lot of attention because he's not starting, you know, it's, it's, you're, you're having to spend as much time with your backups and your depth guys and the, and the future guys as you are with your starters in a lot of these cases, because you got to make sure that you know where they're at from a headspace standpoint know where they're at you know as far as making sure that they understand how they fit in in the future it's just it's a much different ball game than it was before and quarterbacks you know by far the biggest egos out there which is understandable uh but it's also you know if you don't like the schematic fit if you don't like the fact that there's uncertainty with a coaching change you know dylan gabriel quinn ewers spencer rattler max johnson miles brennan bo nix zach calzada i mean the list goes on and on i mean a lot of talent Keaton slovis out of USC. I mean, plenty of options and, and there's just not going to be as many starting spots at all these big time schools as there's going to be quarterbacks in the portal. And that makes you wonder, you know, a lot of them will end up having to go group of five or maybe, you know, even a little bit smaller than that. Um, I'll be curious to see what ends up happening with a lot of them because how this off season plays out and where these guys land will probably start to dictate how many guys enter the transfer portal moving forward. You know, if there are a lot of guys that if, if Bo Nix can't find anywhere and ends up having to go to Troy or something like that to finish his career, you know, maybe that will make an, another guy, you know, think twice the next year or if they all find spots and, you know, who knows what could happen. It's a very interesting dynamic going on with the transfer portal. Uh, next question on the list. Jay on Twitter asked, what's your thoughts on Drew Sanders next year? Will he stay? If so, do you think he takes the Rashawn Evans route to see the field? By Rashawn Evans route, I, I mean, I get this all the time. Will Drew move inside? Uh, and since it's so crowded outside, um, I think there's any number of possibilities, including the portal. We, we should never be surprised in 2021 when that happens. Uh, we, we shouldn't be, like, shocked <laughs> because it's, it's happening everywhere else. It's going to happen here, too, that kids you don't want to leave do leave. I think that that could happen. Look, you know, Drew, we had four outside linebackers start games this year because of injury problems. Uh, I would hope that uh, Drew and his family would look at, hey, just because you're not in the starting lineup today doesn't mean you won't be game one or game two next year because kids get hurt and, and, and they're, they're replaced. There's, there's always injury-type attrition, um, so there's that. But moving inside, Personally, I don't see that happening. I don't really think that's his skill set. They could try that. But one point is, is there any more of a likelihood he's going to start there? I think right now both starting inside linebackers return. Uh, Henry Toho Toho and Christian Harris are both scheduled to be back. Uh, one or more could go pro early and open up a spot. I also think you know, Shane Lee returns. Jalen Moody might return. I believe they're super high on Deontay Lawson, who could be a starter next season. So I don't think moving Drew Sanders inside, A, matches up with the skill set, or B, automatically means he would start there either. Alabama's also crowded with talent at that spot. So I don't know what's going to happen with Drew Sanders. All I know is I would encourage people to 
uh, uh, believe as, as I do that, look, having too many good players is not a problem. The problem is when you don't have enough good players. <laughs> so if Alabama's got too many good players, that's a problem Alabama would like to have every single fall. Absolutely. It would be. And, and of course, you know, from Alabama's perspective, there's no way they would want Drew Sanders to go elsewhere. Uh, they, they would yeah. gladly yeah. take him as a rotational piece as a potential starter, you know, something happened. Uh, I think next year, if I'm speaking candidly, I think it's going to be Will Anderson. I think it's going to be Dallas Turner. And so I think Drew Sanders, I mean, he'll be involved in that competition. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that I'm going to guarantee that it's going to be Dallas Turner, but I just think he's played extremely well. And I thought, I think Drew Sanders played really well when he was the starter. Uh, you know, he, you talk about guys understanding just, you know, where you're at on the depth chart at one day does not mean that's where you're going to stay for the entirety of the season. You know, Drew Sanders was one of those players who benefited from that. You know, he was the number three outside linebacker. Chris Allen goes down. He steps up into a starting spot. And now he is that guy. Now, since then, he's, he got injured himself. Dallas Turner performed extremely well. We don't know where Drew Sanders is at as far as the, the health of his hand. You know, we know that he's been playing and participating, but he hadn't been playing a lot. I don't know if that's because the, the coaching staff wants Dallas Turner out there over him or if it's, you know, that he's not quite ready to be assuming, a, you know, getting back to a full-time role. Um, you know, I, I would think that it would probably be Dallas Turner related because he has played extremely well, but that's purely speculation on my part. You know, it's tough for me to say whether he'll stay or go uh, because, you know, he's, he's seen action. He understands that he's a good player. He can contribute somewhere. Would he want to sit around and, and wait and hope that something happens ahead of him, which no one would ever hope that an injury happens to one of your teammates, but that's what would have to happen uh, maybe in his mind it, in order for him to see the field like he wants to. That might cause him to make a decision, but I, I don't really know one way or the other. I don't know where he's at from a headspace standpoint, and I'm really not going to try to guess or speculate. Um, I just know that Alabama would love to keep him, and I think he could still do some very good things in Tuscaloosa should he choose to stay. Uh, next question on the list. Scott Luck on Twitter asked, question for the mailbag, who starts at center for the playoffs, a healthy Dalcourt or a McLaughlin? Well, if Dow, if Dalcourt's healthy, um, then that's going to create a really interesting situation. Uh, <laughs> I, I, that's a really good question. If, if Dalcourt's back, does he, if Dalcourt's back, does he return to his starting spot? I, I would say probably, but I've just been so impressed with what Seth McLaughlin has done. Uh, the offensive line appears from, from a distance to, to have cleaned up a lot of its communication issues. We seem to play better uh, as a unit when Seth McLaughlin is in there. He certainly held up against the best competition Alabama played all season in the Georgia game. Seth played great um, and was a staff player of the week. So I'm not sure. Um, I know myself, I'd like to see Seth stay in there myself, but in terms of what would happen, I don't know. I, I think it's a great question. Oh, um, you know, one thing I'll say about Seth McLaughlin is that I do feel like he really stabilized Alabama's offensive line. And, and that doesn't mean, you know, it happened against Georgia, which makes you think, oh, I mean, you know, it would happen against anybody. He seems to be the answer. You know, when, when Damian George looked really good. You know, he looked good against New Mexico State, and then he played, you know, or, or looked, he, he struggled in the first half against Arkansas, played a lot better in the second half. You know, it was very, it was a lot harder to tell where he was at from a contribution standpoint or a development standpoint in that situation. With Seth McLaughlin, 
you would just assume, hey, he was going against Jordan Davis. He was going against Devontae Wyatt. I mean, he was going against some players in there on the interior, and he was holding up well. He was getting to the second level. He was communicating with the guys, you know, uh, on either side of him. They were all three played better as a unit together than I've seen. You know, I thought JV and Cohen played about as good as I've seen them play. You know, Emil Ikior Jr., he played extremely well. So how much of that was just them having a great day and how much of it was, you know, the communication being better and them, you know, just performing better with McLaughlin? I can't answer that question. It's just one game. And so I don't, I'm, what I'm going to do is, is defer to the coaching staff and let them make the decision. And if Dow court's back out there, I trust that, you know, they feel like he's the, uh, he's the better option. If McLaughlin's out there, then I feel like that, you know, that decision was made because of the performance that he had against Georgia and they liked what they saw and they believe that that's the future uh, for them, or at least uh, for, you know, the college football playoff. So it's, it's a difficult question to answer. We can speculate all we want to, and that's what we're here for uh, in a lot of these situations we end up speculating. Um, if it was me personally, based off of what I know on the surface, which, you know, there's not everything, I would go with Seth McLaughlin. I was very, very impressed with what he did in that We're game against a, Georgia. We agree. Yeah. So <laughs> we, I'd go with Seth too, but based on what I know, um, I would go with Seth. I, I thought the offensive line played its best game of the year against Georgia, and Seth was the guy that was out there. So just for no other reason than that, but. I do think Darren Dalcourt has a nice future. And let's remember that Alabama loses both tackles next season. Uh, one of the many, 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 many ver- options or one of the many things that could happen next year is you kick Cohen out to tackle and uh, move McLaughlin or Dalcourt to guard. So they, they both could be starters next fall. Theoretically, both of them could be. That's a great point. Uh, next question on the list. JT on Twitter asked, if every Alabama running back was healthy, where would Jerome Ford be on Bama's depth chart right now if he had stayed? Boy, what a good uh, question. Again, uh, it's a good thing we don't mind speculation and conjecture because that's the most speculation and conjecture question we may have ever had because it involves so many moving parts. But if every running back at Alabama was healthy, where would Jerome Ford be? I think if Trey Sanders was 100% healthy and had never been in that uh, terrible car accident, Trey Sanders might be the number one back. Uh, if not, he would certainly be two behind Brian. Uh, whether Jerome Ford would be ahead of Roy Dell, ahead of Jason, Jason Bell. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, I really don't. Now, of course, Kamar Wheaton is just unknown. I'm not even going to consider him because we've just yet to see him play. And we did see Jerome Ford play. I think the question is, would he be ahead of Roy Dell and Jace. I'm going to say yes. And this, but, but only for this reason, uh, he's old. He would be older and more experienced uh, and, and just know our system. Not because I'm saying Jerome Ford is a better player than Roy Dell and Jace. I think they're all roughly equivalent. Uh, I'm personally higher on Jace than any of them, but uh, I, if anybody says he would be third, behind a healthy Brian and Trey Sanders, I would not disagree. 
if anyone says he would be behind Jason Roy Dell too, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that either. I, I think it's almost too hard to answer, but I guess just personally, I would say if everyone was 100% healthy, I think it'd be Brian one, Trey Sanders two, and Jerome third, but based on, on his age more so than talent uh, uh, versus Roy Dell and Jace. Man, it's, it's, it's tough to answer these kind of questions, and I understand why you would ask it, and yep. I'm not saying that it's not a fair question to ask, from a speculative standpoint. Um, but, you know, it's almost like what happens here? You know, I'll put Jerome Ford behind those four running backs that you just mentioned. And now I'm saying Cincinnati's starting running back wouldn't even be good enough to be fifth or, you know, fourth on Alabama's depth chart. You know, I'm being disrespectful to Jerome Ford, or at least that's the way a lot of people would take it. The bottom line is, is that, I, I mean, we don't know what Jerome, Jerome Ford would be in Tuscaloosa we did see him but it was early in his career guys develop I mean would he be the same running back that he's been you know up there at Cincinnati uh you know I've seen Jason McClellan have success in Tuscaloosa I've seen Roy Dell Williams have some success in Tuscaloosa um I I don't disagree with you at all about where Trey Sanders would be if he was fully healthy without the wreck can't say that definitively but you know I, I did really believe in his talent prior to the the uh, car accident and I still believe in his talent even after the car accident not saying that he would be second uh if he had had that wreck uh based on where he's at from a talent standpoint right now if all these guys were healthy but it's it's man once again it's all speculation it's difficult to say what I will say is that Alabama would be thrilled to have Jerome Ford right now they would love to have his skill set he's developed nicely there at Cincinnati he's a good you know he catches the football in the backfield he runs hard He's productive, um, and he would be very useful in Tuscaloosa right now. Uh, if everybody was healthy, though, and I had to say, you know, just speaking candidly, I'm not, I'll say this. I'm not 100% convinced he would be ahead of any four of those guys. I, I really don't know. But, I mean, that's not that, that speaks more to the talent of the other guys more than it does Jerome Ford because I want it to be known I really like Jerome Ford. And had they all been healthy, if they're all healthy, I'm sure Cincinnati would like to have b rob trey jace roydell you know if they're 100 percent healthy cincinnati would like to have them too i i get the question i, I guess the guy's trying to get at is you know hey uh we're Should treating they? we're treating jerome ford as if he is an elite kid but if he was at alabama i don't know know that we would consider him elite he'd be just another guy i, and, I think that's what the guy's saying and yeah and i, I think it's it, it be- notion somewhat but jerome's a good player yeah i think it more so in my opinion, it's like a, should Alabama have let him get out the door? You know, no, um, I doubt Alabama wanted that to happen. I doubt it. I, I, well, I mean, there's no, there's no reason for us to believe Alabama wanted Jerome to leave. No, I, I just, it's just like a, oh man, is this something that Alabama fans or Alabama should regret is, is allowing Jerome Ford to get, you know, to go somewhere else because you know, he'd be on, he would be up there near at or near the top of Alabama's depth chart should he have stuck around. And I just think that's very difficult to say. And I think Alabama, it's we're really looking at the running back position, but this wouldn't even be a question, in my opinion, if all those guys were healthy. It's the fact that there's depth issues right now. And we're looking at it and saying, man, it sure would be nice to have a Jerome Ford. It sure would be nice to have a Keelan Robinson or even a Kyle Edwards who actually plays the running back position. I mean, if, if he had stuck around, you know, he, he, you wouldn't have had to have worried as much about, you know, moving Christian Leary. You probably still would have moved at least Christian Leary and maybe Des Moines Kennedy both 
uh, to running back, but you feel a lot better having three healthy running backs that actually play the position every day. That's what they were recruited to Alabama to do. Um, if all those four other guys were, if, if the entire running back room was healthy and you had really all five guys, Alabama wouldn't be giving a second thought to this because they would believe in their own guys, the guys who were there. And that's all that really matters. Next question on the list. Hunter Hodges on Twitter asked, after seeing these decommitments and transfers by elite recruits slash players from teams who lost coordinators or their head coach, would you say stability at offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator outweighs optimal play calling? Well, that assumes a lot, but for one thing, I do think continuity is very good. We've had so little of it. Uh, you know, I, I don't, uh, uh, I, I would be uh, excited if both Pete Golding and Bill O'Brien return as coordinators, just because I think both are among the best at what they do. Um, I, I understand that some fans don't like uh, some of uh, Coach O'Brien's play calling or, or, or some of the results that Pete Golding has gotten, but I, I just think overall, here we are playing for the national championship. The offense had to be rebuilt personnel-wise. And, and, and the player that Bill O'Brien is most responsible for just won a Heisman Trophy. Um, I, I, think you're all, I think people forget they didn't always love Lane's play calling either. Um, you know, there, there, there's, there's always going to be some nitpicking when it comes to that. Um, I'm picky myself about a handful of things. But, uh, but overall... Uh, I think both guys did a really good job and uh, I'll be excited to have both of them back partly because of continuity and partly because I, I think both of them are really good at their job. Uh, I do agree that, uh, that there's always going to be some people that don't like this play call or that play call, or we should run the ball more, or we should have thrown it there. Or I think that's always going to happen uh, regardless of who the offensive coordinator is. This is how I'll answer that question. You're asking me what's more important is the way that I'm going to take this. Would you rather have stability at the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator spots? Man, the more I think about this question, the more I think it's difficult to answer. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you would love to have the the best in the world doing both. And you, you, you're not going to sacrifice having uh, the best in the world at both spots just in, just for continuity's sake. Exactly. I mean, continuity isn't worth not having the best in the world. On the other hand, I think people are unrealistic about the upgrade. Hey, let's upgrade. Well, who are you talking about and how hireable are they? Uh, I don't think upgrading is as realistic as others think. Uh, I, I, I think for continuity's sake and how good they are at their jobs, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm um, I'll be excited if both return. If if one or both are out, uh, I, I hope we're able to upgrade. And, and and I think that list for both would be pretty short. Does having stability help with recruiting? One hundred percent. So I think you know if you're asking me, man, you know, watching all these other teams lose recruits, should be should we be willing to settle and want to keep Bill O'Brien and Pete Golding? So we don't have to worry about losing not only recruits, but current players on the roster. Um, and for that, I would say, I don't agree with your play calling takes. I don't think it's as bad as you think. So I absolutely would rather have the continuity um, yeah. is the way that I would probably say that. Now, if you, you know, let's say I did agree with you and I thought that Pete Golding wasn't a good defense coordinator and, and Bill O'Brien was not good at calling plays. 
would I still want to keep them so they could, you know, retain or keep these guys? I would say no. I think the the first, the most important thing that you can have is talent on your roster. And so getting that talent, doing whatever you can to not only get it, but keep it is probably more important. Um, so if, if you're asking me, hey, you know, I don't like either of these coordinators, but I also understand the importance of continuity. Should I be pulling for them to get fired or not? I mean, that's personal preference, but I will say, I think continuity is very, very important. So I would go ahead and support them. I, I'm going to support them regardless uh, if if that was my answer or not. Uh, but you do what you feel you need to do. All right, next question. DS Radio on Twitter asked, Bama went from having the lead with two five-star cornerbacks to leading with neither. What happened, especially with Denver Harris? Well, you know, because it, it's impossible to say, and when they say leading, you know, I, I'm not even – you know, I, I understand. I understand the question. Uh, I think it's kind of impossible to answer without interviewing the kid. Uh, one thing is for sure, though, as it relates to Denver Harris, and, and and I've seen too much of this. This is answering this question and many other comments I've seen. Um, why in the world would anyone be surprised that a cornerback from Houston would commit to Texas A&M? I mean, why is anyone surprised that that would happen? Texas A&M is an elite SEC program that finished in the top five a year ago that beat Alabama this year that's about to sign perhaps the number one class. And some posters are acting like Denver Harris is no longer considering Alabama and may sign with Texas Tech. Um, No one should ever be surprised when Texas A&M lands an in-state top rated guy um just like i mean is anybody out there asked is anyone at texas a&m going how did we let alabama sign jeremiah alexander how did we let that happen (laughs) you know i mean it's the same exact thing um denver did like alabama and then when it came time to make a decision about where he wanted to spend the next four years he chose some he's choosing apparently someplace closer to home uh, that, that shouldn't surprise anyone. And as to Dominique Jackson, uh, I, I think we can speculate a little, a little more there. Dominique Jackson uh, is reportedly uh, really close to USC assistant Dante Williams. When the last staff was fired, it was not clear that Dante Williams would be retained. Therefore, he looked around at all the programs in the country, and he liked Alabama the most. And, and I think we would all understand why. And then ends up the new coach at USC, who's creating a whole lot of optimism among the USC fans, he did retain Dante Williams. And now it appears Domini may stay home and play for the coach that he's been closest to. Uh, again, that should surprise no one. Uh, Alabama, it, it, I would be treating this question so differently if we were talking about two five-star kids from Birmingham and, and, and Huntsville or Montgomery or Mobile. But I, I don't – I never look at it, Clint. I've been following this for a long time. I, I never look at it like Alabama lost a cornerback from Houston and a cornerback from Los Angeles. Those kids are extremely difficult to land. And they've been able to land that kind of player in the past. They've been able to go into Texas and, and get some great recruits. And they've been able to go into the state of California and get some great guys but that, that, you know, a lot of people are looking at that as the norm. That was just Alabama going above and beyond and being that exceptional. 
And do you sit there and say, oh, well, they're, they're not being that exceptional anymore. So should we be concerned? Is this the beginning of the end? You know, any of the freak out stuff that you normally get. And, and I would say to that, I mean, it's just two guys. I mean, Texas A&M is in a very good place. They went eight and four. Uh, you know, I, I, everybody's going to be like, well, wait a minute. They, they, they're regressing and they go eight and four. I mean, look at Texas, man. They're killing it right now. They're probably going to finish very strong. They're already a top 10 class. I think number seven, if I'm not mistaken, um, could end up climbing. It's probably going to climb a lot higher. And they just went five and seven. And we, we've been talking about the di- dysfunction in that program all season. And yet now we're getting to the, you know, they didn't even make a bowl game. Now we're getting here to the end. You know, the, the, the signing day is happening, all that stuff fresh on our mind. And all these guys are still wanting to stay in the state and go to the, go to Texas. Um, you know, Texas A&M going eight and four still had a pretty good year. They were very close to making it to the college football playoff last year. Jimbo Fisher is a national championship winning head coach. It should surprise nobody that guys in that state who have grown up probably being a Texas or a Texas A&M fan want to play for one of those two schools. Uh, the same thing, you know, USC with where they, that program has been at. You know, Bryce Young ultimately decided he would have loved to have played for USC, but he didn't trust the guys who were there in place that he they would be able to do what he needed them to do to help him not only from a team success standpoint, but from an individual you know, success standpoint. And now the, the California kids, they're looking at Lincoln Riley and the staff that he's building. Um, and they believe in what he'll be able to do. So they would prefer to stay home. That's what happened. So I think Jimmy, I think you nailed that. Um, it just, I don't think anybody should be freaking out. And what's crazy is that Alabama is still going to probably have a pretty good day tomorrow and probably still, you know, add several high quality players and fans are acting like they're disappointed because they're not going to finish number one. And it's like last year they had a historically good recruiting class and they had proven that they were back on top. It's gotten a lot more competitive guys. I don't, I think the, the days of Alabama going on a seven year stretch where they would have the top ranked recruiting class seven years in a row, those days are done. And I would probably be saying that even if Nick Saban was 55 and not 70, you know, I don't think it's the fact that Alabama is getting over the hump. I just think that everything's becoming way more competitive NIL deals, Texas can, you know, pay a lot of money for that or make sure that you're getting paid a lot of money for that. Texas A&M can. So going to Alabama, it's not as much of an advantage because before it was all about how can I get to the NFL, you know, my easiest path, because that's the only way I'm going to be making money. Now you can make money in college. And if you're playing for Texas A&M, if you're playing for Texas, Alabama, all these blue blood programs, you're going to make a lot of money doing it. So um, I just, I think there's, more of an incentive to stay home now, and then people just need to accept that. Last question we'll get to, and we'll try to go as quickly as possible. Thomas Isaacs on Twitter asked, chances Alabama lands both Damani Jackson and Marvin Jones Jr.? Uh, good. Um, I, I think that's something that could happen. You know, Domini, for all the people that have written it off, I mean, if Domini is definitely going to USC, I think he would commit and sign tomorrow. He's backed up his decision till Friday. That tells me on the surface, he's still thinking about it. And what's he thinking about? He's thinking of USC or Alabama. There's no one else he's seriously considering uh, per reports. So uh, I think we're, we're definitely in it for Domini. Now, you know, if you're asking me, you know, that, hey, I must bet $1 on this. Uh, I would tell you he's going to stay home and go to USC because it's the easiest thing to do uh, when you already live in Southern California to sign with USC. Uh, that's what I think he's going to do. But could he sign with Alabama? Oh, that could definitely happen. If he was definitely going to USC, I think he would sign with USC tomorrow. But he he wants some more time to think about it. Uh, Marvin Jones Jr., uh, I think Alabama has an excellent shot at him. He has been very wide open 
throughout the whole process, uh, except for a brief period of time when he was actually going to sign with Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma. I think they had a significant lead there for a while. And then, of course, Coach Riley has left, and now he's out at USC, and Marvin's considering there, although that's a, a heck of a journey from South Florida all the way to, to USC. Marvin's also considering Florida State, where his dad was a superstar player uh, a couple of decades ago. Uh, I think Georgia is a serious player for Marvin, as is Alabama. Uh, he could go to any of those schools. I think Marvin's a guy I really hate guessing because – he is so wide open and at the same time has been sort of quiet uh, about what he's really thinking. Uh, Marv, with Marvin, just my attitude about that is I think Alabama has a really good shot, a good case to make, and he may choose Alabama. Uh, but is that something I want to, you know, run to run to Vegas and bet a lot of money on that he's picking Alabama? No, no. But I also am not sure I'd be comfortable betting on anyone uh, in the Marvin Jones thing if I had if y'all are forcing me to pick someone today, I would say Georgia. Yeah, I would probably say Georgia too, but I, I completely agree that I, I'm not, you know, a lot of these guys, I mean, we know kind of where that we think they're leaning, but we don't know, you know, for sure. There are going to be surprises tomorrow. I'm telling you, it, it happens every year. And, you know, it, some of them work out, a lot of them work out in Alabama's favor and some of them don't, they, you know, but I think right now people are too focused on what, is not there. And I think you brought this up on the message boards uh, and I thought it was a, a phenomenal point. You need to focus on what you have and not focus on what you don't have. And, and everybody, like I said, you know, people are like, well, if, if Alabama finishes number three and Georgia finishes number one and, and A&M finishes number two, which, you know, obviously that's not necessarily the way that it would work out, but however it works out, well, then they, those two teams were able to get a, an edge on Alabama. Not really. Um, not really. The, 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 the classes that both all three teams have signed just because they have a guy based off of the opinions of us, all of us who evaluate and the people who make the decisions and rank them a certain way, they view a player a little bit higher than the other guy. And this is, they're all very similar in Alabama could go in and have, you know, have the number one class on the field. When you start looking back and you say, you know, productivity and, guys who were able to, able to make an impact from day one and fill in the right spots and being first-round picks in the NFL, we might look back, and this Alabama class is far and away the best of them. It's not like they're sitting down there at 10, 11, 12, 13. Then I would say that they're getting a significant edge. But the difference between one and three, uh, one, two, and three, and four and five, there's not much of a difference, if any difference at all. And I couldn't really – I'm not going to definitively say, oh, Georgia has been able to close the gap on Alabama – because Alabama finished number three this year and Georgia finished number one or A&M, if that ends up being the case with them, I'm not going to, you know, step out and, and go that far. I don't think that that's the case. I think they all three got great players. I think they're all going to, you know, have a lot of success and people need to stop worrying about getting recruiting titles and stuff and understand, you know, uh, that not only does Nick Saban recruit at this high of a level and he's going to be in that conversation every year, pretty much. He also does a great job and his staff does a great job of developing guys. And that's something, you know, that I think is just as important. They're going to be able to take the talent they have and be competitive every year. So don't freak out. There's no reason to. It's going to be fun. All right, Jimmy, that's going to do it for today's episode of the, the BAM on three show. We'll be back tomorrow talking a lot about recruiting. And I'm sure we're going to have to talk to some more people off the ledges. Uh, hopefully everybody's very positive. Right. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we'll see how it turns out. It's going to enjoy it, guys. Enjoy the guys they get. Have fun. It's a, it should be a fun day. There's not, I mean, 
it is what it is. And, and Alabama's already got a great class. You don't have to be freaking out. So, yeah. do, you, do you mean anything else? Yeah, one last point. Uh, the timing of recruiting is so funny to me and how it affects people. If we lose a hand, you know, if, if we if we don't end up signing Domini and Marvin Jones and Anthony Lucas and, 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 and there'll be all this gnashing of teeth and wailing and crying. But uh, what if tomorrow uh, Ty Simpson and Jeremiah Alexander committed to Alabama tomorrow? The fact that they've been committed for months doesn't generate interest on signing day, but it doesn't matter when they commit. It only matters that they sign. And tomorrow, a super five-star quarterback like Ty Simpson, he signed with Alabama. Jeremiah Alexander is as good of a prospect as this state produces. He's signing with Alabama tomorrow. The fact that he's already been committed for months uh, shouldn't lessen everyone's excitement over landing kids like them. That is a great point. It doesn't matter if if Ty Simpson committed tomorrow or if he committed two years ago. It, it's irrelevant. You got Ty Simpson. At the end of the day, that's what happened. The only thing that it, that it affects is your excitement level on National Signing Day and the fact that in a lot of people's minds, they see a lot of these recruits that Alabama's in on, and if they start you know, finishing second in a lot of these races, people are going to look at that and say, Alabama's losing the edge. No, it's just the guys that they had committed. The fact that a lot of these guys are going elsewhere, Alabama was in the mix to be able to sway their opinion to go to Alabama right there until the very end. But whether it be, you know, you know, Damani Jackson in California, whether it be Denver Harris in Texas, it, it doesn't matter. You know, those guys are in-state guys, and Alabama being in the running lets you know they're still in the mix for all these guys, and they're, they're landing enough of them where it doesn't matter. It's going to be fun. So don't freak out. Uh, appreciate you guys listening in. We'll be back tomorrow. Jimmy, once again, I appreciate you hopping on here with me, and we will talk again soon. This has been the Bam on 3 Show, and I'm your host, Clint Lamb. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 
1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. 